I'm Alexandra Joe, Culture and Content Manager at Parting Stone, and this is the Death Care Decoded Podcast. In this podcast, we explore trends in the death profession, uncovering valuable insights through conversations with industry thought leaders. Our mission is to bring forward-thinking education to death care professionals. This week, we return to our conversation with Jason Engler, licensed funeral director, cremation specialist and consultant, and certified celebrant to talk about the history of cremation in the United States. We talk about the different phases that cremation has seen as it has evolved in method and popularity, the current era of personalization that cremation is in today, and what that can tell us about the services and products that cremation families are looking for. You're jumping into a conversation with myself, Jason Engler, and Justin Crow. Yeah, so I heard you talk once at the Cana Conference in Fort Lauderdale, and the talk that you gave laid out these kind of eras or phases of cremation and society, right. and I thought it was fascinating. And um, yeah, I wanted to kind of hear that again, and like, yeah, can you talk about that that theory? Yeah, so essentially, the cremation movement in America started because there was a lot of a lot of concern with people's bodies decomposing and infecting water streams, you know, water supplies for towns. So people were getting sick, people were becoming ill, and some were even dying because of it. And so physicians early on were strong supporters of the cremation movement because it was a it was a form of purification. It was that was their main goal, their main focus, and that lasted into about the twenties. Because if you think about that time in in history too, you have uh, everything from medicine to embalming being perfected, both of those being per- perfected, and you have. You have all of the, you know, all the advances in in the world of medicine and, and science. And so it became less of a concern as time went on, it became less of an issue for, you know, people were being embalmed, people were being placed in sealed caskets and inside vaults. And so all of those things started kind of happening around the same time. So they needed a reason and a way to still promote cremation because a number of cemeteries have put all put you know equipment in and columbaria and for cremation and now they needed something to do with it so you know they they started to approach it and around this same time a movement hit the cemetery world too called the memorial idea and the importance of people being memorialized you know made up word but uh, memorialized when when death occurred and creating a memorial identity for that person and that was one of the things that was um was really being kicked about in all of the cemetery side of death care of the time and so that was the memorialization movement uh that was the kind of the second era and during that time is when the truly formative way that we recognize cremation in a lot of ways came about the end of that but cremation started to become something during that time Um, it was it was still relatively small and still relatively slow movement but it was it was a movement nonetheless and that era created some beautiful columbaria some beautiful um, interment areas the first urn gardens were created during that time Um, so all of those things you know happened during that memorial idea era and then in the 1960s a very um a very big thing happened and that was um 
Jessica Mitford and her book, The American Way of Death. And she she blew the cover off of the funeral profession and she um, nobody was excluded from all of her satire and from cremationists to funeral directors to cemeterians. And so that ushered in this era and along with, you know, the fact that people were changing their views, people were becoming, you know, more minimal. Think about, think about cars too, during this time, you know, you had the very basic, you had the, the basic get around in a vehicle with wheels pulled by a horse and then you had cars but they weren't just cars they were boats they were huge cadillacs and huge chevrolets and huge buicks and all of these these huge cars and that that excess and then think about starting to get into the the 50s and 60s when cars started to get smaller and smaller and sports cars came about and you know this it's the same kind of thing with death care is that or with cremation is that you have this simplicity this movement towards simplicity that really truly is what drove the cremation movement at the time um and that was spurred by i feel uh and the the author stephen prothero who has written to this date the definitive book about the history of cremation and its cultural aspects it published, you know, 20 years ago, but it still still covered the history very well. And it's his opinion as well that that's what really, truly changed that 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 time and that process. And that truly carried on through the 90s and, and into the into the 2000s. And that's when the, the stage that we're in now, you know, I, in my discussion, I went up to that point. Um, I went to the point of of, um, you know, the the simplification movement and justin asked the question in the the question answer period at the end uh you know what what stage are we in now what is the current era of funeral service and it is clearly unequivocally personalization and you know i like shuns i like to be uh you know i like to be um I like alliteration almost, you know, where it's like all these shuns. So you've got purification, you've got memorialization, and you've got simplification. And so what's the, what is it now? And it is truly the epitome of personalizing an experience. And, and people have done it in so many other parts of, of their lives for, you know, decades. But now, especially here we are in the death care space and in cremation, especially, think about the fact of what you can do with cremated remains and and how that looks and feels and how you can relate to that uh how families can relate to that and so so that's that's where we are now is we're in that and it's not just what to do with cremated remains but it's services it's events it's all of these things you know it's not when when people die it's no longer in, in a lot of places, it's no longer the let's, you know, let's go to church and have our funeral and um, go in procession and bury the casket. I mean, there's even even that part is changing for families who choose burial of, of a casketed body. That part is changing the way that they do things there as well. So so and it's that's what it's all about is it's all about that that becoming a, a personal experience for individuals for families and that's where we are we're in that we're in that process we're in the personalization process of um of the cremation movement especially i i remember asking that question and i mm-hmm. really appreciated that answer and i've thought a lot about it um over the last couple of years and it really shifted the way that i think about 
cremation and cremated remains to be um, cremated remains are a platform for personalization. Mm -hmm. And that's what we design solidified remains to be as well, a platform or a canvas for a memorialization experience. It's not the end point. It's not a keepsake. Right. It's not a necklace. It's not a, you know, a and ashes that, and glass. That it's... truly goes back to the memorial idea in cremation's history, though. That goes back to the time when, you know, we were creating a memorial identity that cremation is not the end, but it's only the beginning of the process of remembering a loved one. And you're creating that that memorial for them it's different now it's not just in the cemetery it's not just in the columbarium it's now in your hand and and in your home and those things are those things are not a bad thing it's not bad and i i do think it's presented some challenges for funeral professionals and mm -hmm. funeral directors um planning memorials or experiences with families choosing cremation uh, I this is I did a a webinar recently on cremation trends and beforehand I did some research into um, how many people are searching on Google for terms related to things to do with ashes and I found that there are eight thousand people a month searching terms related to things to, things to do with ashes wow. and it really that kind I'm of like drives home more. I'm surprised yeah. it's not more honestly yeah yeah. Because, because, well, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe people are doing a good job of investigating in other ways. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe the, maybe the funeral homes are, are helping Starting those to, families. Yeah. Or yeah, maybe, maybe people don't know it's an option, you know, like That's maybe true. there's not the education out there around cremation that you I think can that that have. Is other things like a, um, even like a service before the cremation with embalming or and i think that that's very very common which by the way here's another point on history is until the simplicity era of cremation everybody had a funeral and a and a casket and either embalming or no embalming but still a viewing and they instead of going to the cemetery they went to the to the crematory and that's why so many um so many of the early crematories had chapels and committal spaces so anyway sorry there's just some trivia for you that's cool <laughs> that'll yeah. be on the test later <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think there is a lack of education mm -hmm. around what's available to a family before cremation and then after cremation right you know when i when i tell people what i do or the company that i work for they're just like wait you people do things other than mm -hmm. scatter ashes yeah, yeah. huh you can right. bury yeah. ashes and I have you a had memorial to and a marker? I thought you had to. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah. they make them into diamonds? You make them into stones? What? What? I can keep part of it? I can have a keepsake in my home? And that's it. Yeah. Or an alternative form of human remains? Yes. Yes. Well, that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you say um, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I think that, you know, just as we move forward mm -hmm. and death becomes easier to talk about and more acceptable to talk about mm -hmm. and the this industry continues to be disrupted with you know more money being funneled into it because more people are interested and it's right. less taboo yeah. and more options become available like i think that number will go up right you know I agree and that, with that. That's that's my take on it. And it's and it's and it's because of that personalization. It's you know what do you what do you have now i mean when you go onto amazon it throws you it tells you what you're there for 
I mean, you don't even have to tell it. It reads your mind and knows. And it's because we have we have done so many things that have caused us to have our own desires, our own tastes that we're now in the system as needing this, you know, needing this item. And that's a personalized setting. That's a personalized way to do things. I, you know, these, these stupid cups, you know, the, the, um, uh, what are they Arctic or whatever cups? Mm-hmm. I mean, those things come in, it's a rainbow of colors and it's, it's so crazy to see the ways that we can personalize our lives. And, and that's, that's what this is on. This has just finally made its way to death care and people are <laughs> understanding that they can actually do it. Yeah. Jason, you're, you're known as it, as the urn guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering about Sorry, the new phase. See this back here. See the yeah. There. You've got a ton of urns <laughs> behind you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm wondering about the current phase the current phase that we're in of, of personalization mm-hmm. and how that relates to containers and if, yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's really funny because I, I went to work at the SCI home office and I had a number of people in various departments that say, you know, people don't want something that looks like an urn. I'm here to tell you that that is not accurate because if you look, I mean, there are, look at what's available on online. If you type in an urn, you look at what's available. There's all kinds of stuff available, but something somewhere people can relate to an urn and its shape and what it is and what it looks like. So, um, I firmly vehemently oppose that that is true because people want urns that look like urns. That's just part of the part of our culture that may change someday, but they've been, you know, they've been introducing all different types of urns. You know, when I was, when I was, um, involved in at, at SCI with the, the cremation products process, you know, our most popular urns, the most popular one was an urn and it looked like an urn. And the second most popular was an urn that looked like a casket. So tell me people don't identify with that, you know? So, so yeah, that's, and they, and meanwhile, we have all these options, all these different ideas. Now that was, you know, several years ago when I was there, I don't know what their, what the trends are currently. And there's nothing nationwide that has really given a, you know, an aspect of what the trends are. So um, it's a matter of, um, you know, matter of, of preference. And what was your question, Justin? Where were we going with that? Sorry, I got on a tangent. That's okay. Yeah. My question was, was what role do containers play in the personalization era that we're in right now? So it, it truly has to do with, you know, having a, a, something that they can relate to and appreciate, you know, that's why there's so many colors and shapes and, you know, there's urns that look like urns and there's so many of those and there's urns that look like caskets and there's so many of those, but those now are wood and they're marble and, you know, what is happening with the remains is what truly dictates what the, what families are choosing and what they're doing. And a lot of folks are keeping urns in the home still. And um, it's a little bit troubling when, when people are doing that um, on a large scale, um, simply because, you know, you eventually have to figure out what to do. I'm not permanent. Um, so my ring that has part of my granny's ashes and my, my little bird sculpture that has part of my granny's ashes, I've got to figure out something to do with that when the time comes, because my son may or may not want that. I don't know. Um, my other family members, you know, they may or may not want that. So 
you know, we have, you know, making, making that decision of what to do is important and um, where to have a longevity plan, you know, have a long-term plan because it's not a, it's not long-term to keep remains at home. It's just not. Um, so, uh, so finding a place for those eventually is, is uh, something I feel that is very important for families. And the fact that they can personalize the urn with name, dates, colors, shapes they can find something they identify identify with they can keep small portions instead of the entire urn um, and still have a place to go a permanent memorial to go to that's where it really truly um and in your case the the form that cremated remains are in the what what condition they're in when the time comes um it's that's the personalization that truly drives our side of of the profession and what we do uh, on this side of things Hmm. did that answer your question i think it did did. yeah that was great yeah. (laughs) yeah we recently at at parting stone we have a weekly all staff meeting and sometimes we announce death news Mm -hmm. or um other things like that because we're all what we call death curious and last week the death news was that now they are 3d printing urns to look like the head of the loved one who died i mean here's something funny about that (laughs) there's nothing new under the sun okay i can find here somewhere a brochure that i have from the 1960s and a very large bronze company that's still in business today introduced a product called sculpturnment and basically what it was is it's a sculpture of somebody's head and the bottom of it comes off and the ashes go in and that's the that's yeah so so there's nothing new under the sun and 10 years ago when when digital printing or when um 3d printing became a thing there was a there was an uh the very same thing was introduced. Um, so, These so yeah, it's kind of creepy. They're like they are very they, the, plastic, they all look creepy, and They're they don't creepy. come with any like hair. You have to buy a wig that looked mm-hmm. like your loved one's hair separately. Or just talk to your favorite drag queen; she'll give you something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it would be me. I mean, unless it's my case, and then you don't have to worry about. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you don't have to worry about a hair. A, a, Wait I don't it. know. No, you would definitely need one for me. I mean, <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. a lot. Yes. But mm-hmm. I just, everyone, it was, it, we were just, who do people want this? Is the, are the sales being made? I guess so. Because, you know, personalization know. means that there needs to be something for everyone, I guess. Yep. So, for sure. Yeah. That, for sure. Yeah. No real point to that other than just like, yeah. Other yeah, than personalization a, is wow. a thing. It is a thing, yeah. yeah. Making things personal, um, and and again, there's not to say that there's anything wrong with the things that people are doing. They just need to be sure that they're considering all aspects. Because again, how many times have I bought an urn on eBay that has obviously been used because it's got a person's name on it, but the remains are nowhere to be found because who knows what happened to them, you know? And and was that their intent? You know, was that the intent of of them to you know be scattered or be dumped on the side of the road or you know their urn be sold on ebay or what what's the you know what's the what was the intent and it most likely was not that but yeah so so how many times have you bought urns on ebay i couldn't tell you it's a (laughs) a large enough number that i don't remember because you say that like 
that's a normal thing. Like, how many times have I bought an urn on eBay? I'm looking I've never at an I'm looking at three right now that are <laughs> waiting to go to the museum. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm looking at three there, and I can't the 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 quantity that's in my collection at the museum. They either came from from old crematories that that had spare urns or had this very same thing, empty urns or damaged urns in their basements, or they came from eBay. Wow. Plain and simple. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I've um, i recently been researching urns for different articles that I'm writing and different like resources that I'm putting together. And now all of my Amazon suggestions are mm-hmm. just urns. And yeah, all of all my urns. Instagram ads are urns. Mm-hmm. Really? And yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, so <laughs> in is. order for, for us to, in order for me to see what's happening on our website, what people see, um, I go to UPD Urns all the time, updurns.com, and I have that pulled up all day. And now <laughs> all of my suggested ads are UPD. It's like, check out our oh, urn store. Right. Check out our, I'm like, I know these things. Yeah. Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> right. well, yeah. It's like, I work at Parting Stone. Yes. Solidified remains. We yes. don't need an urn. Yes. Oh, now don't get me started on that. <laughs> oh, you could use an urn. Absolutely. I think that urns are, urns are necessary and important to help to securely contain because That's we true. cannot lose sight of the fact that these are human remains. That's a very and good point. Some people may or may not have a, a, a connection to that, but a lot of people do. And there's there's a certain reverence that should be afforded realizing that these are, there you go. Yeah, See? I have my, they suggest in showing everyone, is that your granddad? This is a golf ball, but this oh, is that's a, Oh, Okay. <laughs> Oh, so you well, got the golf ball. That's, see, there's personalization right there. <laughs> yeah, he, he loves golf. There you go. Um, yeah, so Justin's holding up his grandfather's stones in, mm-hmm. uh, just for the podcast, in um, like a glass container. And I actually solidified one of my cats last mm-hmm. year, and I have her in a little glass container nice. on my nice. kitchen table See, as well. there you go. So it's they, true. They we do need con- a yeah. container. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't disagree with you. I think for solidified remains, the, the type of container is, is changing a bit. And yeah, something we're finding is that, you know, for some of these funeral homes that we work with, where we have one funeral home where 17% of their families are choosing solidified remains, which wow. is unbelievable. It's, it's and massive. Huge. huge. And w- what we're realizing is that the more of the cremation remains market share we take, the more of a merchandise opportunity opens up yeah. for solidified remains specific merch and mm-hmm. that's an i think in the form of glass so they can be displayed or um, sharing containers and we're going to be exploring this uh, as a company but we're also looking for other companies to partner with us to offer these um these well, options to all of the homes that we work with that's something that we that i have mentioned a number of times uh so so that's definitely something we should talk more about cool. mm-hmm. yeah yeah Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Jason. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. It's been a joy being here again with y'all and uh, having that, having a visit. This production is brought to you by Parting Stone, who wants to remind you that when your families choose cremation, they don't have to receive cremated remains.